Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, personal growth and development, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Humanities Professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. All right. Welcome, everybody. So glad you're here today. And I have an incredibly special guest with me. His name is Ricardo Vargas, and he is living in Colombia right now. And with the things that are going on, and and so many of us are so acutely aware right now of the things that are happening in Cuba, especially down here in Florida with our huge uh, Cuban-American population, it's a good thing here to bring in Ricardo, who lives down in South America, and he can kind of give us a flavor because Colombia has been going through a whole lot of the same type of things that we saw, well, Cuba years ago, then Venezuela, and we here in Bolivia and, and Chile and all these places are going through a lot of the similar stuff. So it's so great, Ricardo, to have you with us. And you know, we go way back. We go back probably 15, almost 20 years way back when I was an undergraduate and you were, I believe, studying English in uh, at Arkansas State University. So this is uh, we saw each other once, I believe, in, in Florida one time when you were on vacation. But but it's so, so good to have you back with us with me here today and talking to you. So. Ricardo, let's just start out real simple. Why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what's going on in, on in your life, and then we'll go from there. Uh, thank you, David, for having me. Yeah, great friend. Long time ago, we, we met. Yeah, uh, I'm a lawyer here in Colombia. I have uh, some emphasis in labor law, civil law, commercial law, and I work for uh, advisor for companies. I have my, my firm and I have a family here. I live nice. with my wife and three kids. And uh, the situation here, David, yeah, uh, really, really difficult because it has taken the same path as other countries you already mentioned, as, such as Chile, Venezuela, which is in very high, deep trouble. Right. But uh, now we have that problems in Colombia. Yeah. So... So, Ricardo, you know, we started talking about coming on this podcast, I mean, probably a, a more than a few weeks ago. It's almost, I think, close to when Colombia started to, to go through some some serious situations there. But, but really, what is it that what what is it that you want to get your message out? Why is it important? And then you can just go right on with that and say, what in the world do you think is causing all this unrest that's happening in Colombia and Latin America and now in Cuba, my goodness, kind of the the godfather of uh, communism in in the Western Hemisphere. Oh yeah, the starting here in Colombia, the political unrest is caused by hidden guerrilla drug trafficking forces. In order to destabilize destabilize the institutional framework, right, led to the interest of the for the far left leaning movements and political party to take power in the next year's elections we have elections next year mm. and uh but it is important to bear in mind as well that 
for the moment, the current president won the elections and took office. The leftist uh, candidate said that he would initiate the oppositions, uh, the opposition in the streets through social pro protests. And wow. those social protests have been not only protests, but violence in the streets uh, and giving really difficult and hard time to to the government and and for us civil people i see so so in colombia is it similar to the united states where you have like in the us we have two parties we have the democratic party and the republican party and yeah there's 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 a couple other fringe parties like the green party but i mean are you kind of a two party system as you go into these elections is it going to be one or the other or is there a chance for are, are there viable candidates across the entire political spectrum in, in Colombia? We have two parties, mainly two, two parties, conservatives and, and liberals. Uh, liberals would be the, the Democrat, Democrats, mm -hmm. and the conserva conservatives are the Republicans, as you have there. Wow. But yeah, uh, we have historically that they, to end up the violence between uh, those parties, uh, 60 50 years ago they made an agreement for they have to rotation in the government one period for four years would would have would have uh the conservatives in head and and the liberals the next period and so on and so forth but different parties mainly the the leftists have appeared and they have a very huge support from from in this case, from governments such as Venezuela and uh, and other parties or other countries in the world, and but here in Colombia, I would I would want to add something, David, because mm -hmm. we are divided, huge, very big division in the political conception because we had a peace agreement which was signed in two thousand and sixteen with the president that we thought at that point uh, was a uh, part of the institutional, traditional. We don't want traditional per se. We want to be social and give uh, end to that inequality we have here. Right. But uh, that agreement was uh, signed with the guerrilla and it had, it contained many things that the, the population didn't want. In fact, that agreement had to be validated for the for the for the people here in Colombia, and it lost a very tight vote, fifty two percent against forty eight percent, and the thing was that uh, people say no to that agreement because uh, that peace agreement was letting the rebels get away with murder, and especially uh, they had and they created. Uh, and a special court that was uh, taking the or or judging the crimes during the conflict, and that court was uh, really not a um, a court that would give a real justice, you know. Right. So, in fact, what people mainly thought was that uh, the guerrilla people was getting away with the, their crimes. So we have divided that situation and, and uh, the leftists are taking advantage of that. And now they're uh, 
having a huge possibility to get the presidency next period. I, I find it fascinating as you describe that division because it almost seems there's a problem with Western style democracies around the globe that this division is just sinking in so deeply. We have it here in the United States. Obviously, in countries like Venezuela, it's it's at it's at an extreme. I mean, there you almost say it's too late to even matter anymore. But as we look at these elections as they come up, and so this one, this election coming up, that's a presidential election, I'm assuming, right? Not just a Congress one. This is like for the for the presidency. Yeah, it is the presidency in May yeah. next year. Yeah, it's just uh, we see this division where a hard left and a hard right are pushing the two extremes in countries with these two-party-only systems. And it just seems to be causing more and more violence and more and more unrest, as if these extremes, it's almost as if a goal is not to win an election, but to rip the country to shreds. That's what it feels like um, in so many. It, it, it is, for many, would say in the U.S., they feel that same way, that this this division is literally shredding the country Uh and it seems you're going through that same thing than there in Venice or in uh, Colombia. Yeah, David. And uh, as you mentioned that, uh, people would ask if we will become the next Cuba or Venezuela. And uh, yeah. but I would I would say is that uh, we are facing an imminent risk of becoming the next Cuba or Venezuela due to the really? passivity, passivity to the well-developed and engineered strategy uh, thought out by an international group called the Sao Paulo Pact. Have you heard about it? Uh, no. What it, explain that just a little bit. Well, it consists in uh, the union or association of left-wing political groups with the okay. idea of taking power in different countries, as it happened recently in Peru. As you saw, in Peru, won right. the Marxist, Marxist uh, candidate. Right. And, He's taking the presidency in a few days. But anyhow, here in Colombia, putting our eyes here in Colombia, we have uh, we had the pandemic that has caused great, great impact recession in Colombia uh, for the last uh, situation. The inequality of wealth is very, very high. Uh, we have 37.5 of Colombians live below the poverty line. Uh, wow. By the end of, that of is last year, really high. Yeah, wow. it has increased increased significantly uh, with the country. I mean, it has industrial people, but the poverty is very high, and uh, it is reasonable that people is protesting uh, because they want for the government not only to get money. Uh, from the government, but have the possibility to have jobs, you know, places, work, and so on. Uh, but that's the situation. We have 51, uh, 51 million people we have in our country, and 19, uh, 19 million uh, are living in with less than $91 per month, you know? Wow. That's really rough. And, and you know, I think somehow, some way, for democracy, for capitalism to survive, those on the far right, they have to come to grips that that has to be fixed. The, some, way, some way, somehow a balance has to be reached. 
Because when you have such a large amount of people living below the poverty line and someone comes along like in Peru and literally declares themselves a Marxist, which we know is a failed system, it never works. It can't work. But yet it can resonate so strongly because there's enough people who don't have anything. And that's also obviously assuming that the elections were came off fairly without a hitch. But let's just assume that to be the case, because it seems that mantra that the Sao Paulo group or this Marxist group in Peru, it's resonating and people who believe strongly in capitalism and democracy have to somehow figure out a way to ease that burden. Or it's almost like I got nothing to lose. The other, the other system doesn't work for me. So why in the world am I going to keep supporting it? And, and so it's fascinating. It, it almost seems like a global phenomenon that's going on right now. Yeah, exactly, David. Uh, people would have that... Uh that way to understand the situation and how to vote in the next elections. But here, uh, yes, the, the traditional political, political parties are trying to change, put some social stuff and, and, and helping and creating new jobs. And the current government just have created uh, free education for, for many, many people to have right. them the opportunity not only to study, but also to have places to work. So that that strategy was pushed by the by all the protests. Uh, and that's sad because that that had to be the way to do it, not before, you know. Right. Uh, but other thing important here, David just talked is about the narcotics in Colombia. Because yeah. uh, many people would, would think that the narcotics would do our our day here or living. But right. the, the impact of narcotics and drug trafficking in Colombia economy represent, uh, in the first place, a benefit for the illegal groups right? because uh, this way they have uh, how to finance weapons and associate with the leftists in their purpose of taking, taking power. And, and this is how they have links with the government of Venezuela, as I mentioned, right. other leftist governments in Latin America and in the world. Even it's being said that Russia and, and China had hands, uh, dark hands, putting uh, money and, and trying to move, move their ways. But um, in this money and the money laundry uh, through which it seeks to legalize the profits obtained with the illicit business generates a damage of enormous proportions right. in the economy in our economy because it generates inflationary effects and and divert people from the legal activities toward these illicit but better paid activities you know right right and uh, and and the position of drug Trafficking in Colombia is divided. Some Colombians, uh, me included, consider that drugs should be legalized worldwide, and in this way we, this way we we end up we could end up with the main factors of violence in our country. It's not the only factor, but it's 
one of the most important uh, factors of violence in our in our country. Right. So uh, if we cut that link, we won't have the illegal groups, uh, the way to obtain money to finance the weapons, and we, we would end up that problem. Now, we still have many problems here to solve, such as inequality, uh, the division of land for work, ending or eliminating corruptions, the corruption, etc. But uh, but yeah, I would think that uh, despite many many people think uh, the the drug traffic is is a high high very complex problem for us. Yeah. So in the beginning, you talked about you know one of the causes. Um, of the unrest being these Koreas and and the drug traffickers and the Sao Paulo group. Do you think they actually are? Is this a concerted effort? I mean, is this like a are they, are all these people like working together in a massive movement, or do you think it's more of a I don't know each group trying to kind of carve out its own little niche and and, and trying to take its piece, or or is this so serious that this thing is all all, all this unrest is is all tied together. No, it is a well, very well planned strategy built with the Sao Paulo meeting they had many years ago, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, and yeah. so it is not coincidental. It's it's a strategy built up just to to take the power, and they they have found the way to finance through the through the drug trafficking business you know that money is helping them just to do many many things yeah so so the so it really is the fuel behind the the fire really it is, is indeed it, it is indeed. it is yeah and and you mentioned also china and and russia maybe to a certain extent as exerting their influence what's what's an example i mean where where do you see that i mean you know it's fast. I know in Venezuela it's happening because obviously everyone who listens to this knows my wife from Venezuela. China is heavy in in Venezuela in taking natural resources and offering loans for things, and you know they're they're embedding themselves and they have embedded themselves in Venezuela. How how's China kind of showing up in Colombia as as, as far as you know it? No, I would say that strategically, geographically, if you have one country and you have the neighbor country, which is the head of the of the continent, what would you think if you were a leader? My God, you you would have not only one but two, and then you right. you will keep and you have Peru already, Peru, which is down in the border with with Colombia. So that's. What strategically we would say, I would say that is a, a sign. But uh, uh, recently, the Putin, the Russian president, offered mm-hmm. his good uh, service just to conciliate <laughs> the position between Maduro and our president. Oh yeah, isn't that I nice got, of him? What a yeah, what a yeah, guy. so kind. And yeah. and then yeah, we have legally business with with uh, China. China is building here our subway, um, but that's legal. I would uh, to answer your question, I would say we presume 
and we have studied in many think tanks uh, sessions with uh, serious people what is happening here, which is not aleatory and 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 one shot situation, but is something that had a has a chain of events in Latin America. Yeah, and you know, I I even know the Haitian president who was assassinated. From what I understand, and I don't know this story, super not highly educated on it, but it seems that this Haitian president that got assassinated, uh, he had rejected an offer from China for their 5G network. And miraculously, after he rejected China, he found himself dead like a month and a half or not, not that I don't think that's been proven. I think actually the uh, the assassins came from Colombia is what I'm, yeah, what that's I, very what I'm reading. But the sad thing is those those people were trained in the United States uh, in some of our special forces uh, training. So I I I just I'm stunned. I'm disappointed, and I'm shocked that the United States and then I don't care if it's been a Democrat or a Republican president pay so little attention to what's going on in South America. And, you know, here we have this tiny little island, Cuba, that's 60 miles from from Florida. And it's one of the strongest communist nations because it's propped up everywhere from every communist station. And I mean, they, they are within 100 miles of our border. And now we see Venezuela, we see Peru, we see Bolivia, even Mexico's got a very hardcore left-leaning president and now Colombia is coming up for their next president next year it just i it's almost mind-boggling to me how we just turn the other side uh to the to our neighbors to the south so easily what what's the perception just i mean be honest what what do people think of a, of americans thoughts towards south america when you when you think of just the average american and what they think of south america what, what do you think we think about you guys down there? Like we don't give a crap or we only care about it if we can blow up stuff for or during the drug war? What, what What's the perception in general? Well, the perception is that uh, you have a big country and you have a big economy and you have your own business there and you put your hands in other different countries, probably Southwest, but not here in Latin America. It's not that important, I would say, right. probably having Venezuela with that influence from communi- communisms and and uh, China and Russia, probably we have a little more attention here. But the deal here, David, is that we are providing the the illicit drug, and and we are getting a huge consumption from there mainly, not only right. but mainly, and uh, that's hurting very very bad our our situation not only the economy but the social the social part you know but right. yeah we think uh the the support uh from from the states uh when trump was president was i would say normal and now that we have biden in the presidency uh we thought that he's more socialist and probably have the tendency to be with the leftists Mm-hmm. But uh, we haven't seen very much intervention now. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting what he does. I, you know, who knows? I don't think he's going to do much of nothing. He hasn't done a whole lot of much 
stuff yet, but I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait to see, but you mentioned the, the drug problem and you even said to legalize drugs. Do, do you, it, that, so the, is that kind of the, con, would that be more of a consensus opinion? Because it's interesting because in the U S we're starting to see that move a lot now, not on the hardcore narcotics like cocaine or methamphetamine, but I'm sure you've probably seen uh, marijuana legalization has become, you know, more and more common here. Um, first, it was just for medicine, medicinal purposes. Now it's turning into leisure and who knows what drug might come next. But so so you think that if drugs were legalized, say, in the U.S., that would that would have a positive impact. In well, North America. Is- this is a big old debate here. Yes, it is. Uh, Huge. Many, many important and smart people had had said no. Many right. smart and influential people had said yes. But there could be a myth to say yes now, you know, because you can be so as a, a promoter of something illegal. But uh, as being as it has been compared in the past. Uh, the the alcohol was the story the history that we passed was forbidden and then right. and then was legalized and what happened nothing so right. yeah I would I, I I would say that that would liberate the pro the main problem we have is it is not the only problem but it's the main problem we have yes yeah yeah so so Ricardo before we move on to just kind of where the future of Colombia and where you see Latin America, even in general, as we see all this stuff going on down there. What if you could just explain to someone what it's because in America, we've had riots. We had a lot of riots last summer, but I don't think we can fully appreciate what it's like to go through unrest when you see some of the things that have happened in Colombia or definitely Venezuela or even going on right now in Cuba. So can you talk a little bit about just what happens to life in general? I mean, you're on the ground down there in Colombia. And, and I understand you had mentioned you just saw some riots literally just a, a day or two ago down there. So talk, just kind of give people a little story or a little understanding what that's actually like when when the things like that are going on. Yeah, well, our city is the capital here and we have main cities such as Cali and Medellin and Barranquilla. But the thing is, this, yeah, even though I'm in, in, in Bogota, I'm in one part of, of the city mm-hmm. and it's a residential part and we don't have that in our faces here. No, we don't have it. Right. But, but it's mainly in, the, in, the, in, in one sides of the, of the city and but you have to stay in your home. You cannot move. You cannot, I mean, you cannot go to your office, for instance, because something could happen. And it would, it starts uh, protests in the, during the day. But when the, the night comes, the violence just to start, you know? Yeah. They start just destroying the, the transportations, uh, the bus transportations and the, and uh, the facilities for the, the transportation, they take the monuments and they vandalize the monuments and they hurt, uh, attack the police. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that creates in you 
an instability situation and you right. start thinking, is this my country the right place to, to stay with my family, they keep raising my kids or not? And you start evaluating if you can move to other different country. And right. uh, if you have money, probably you, you start thinking if you can invest that money, not here, but in other different countries. So it is an instability, emotion, emotional situation. Right. Oh, I, it's hard to fathom being just locked. You can't go out of your house because you're afraid that something might flare up or can't go to work because of because of that situation. I mean, it's 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 hard for us to to fully appreciate. And and again, we had riots, and there's areas where obviously when these riots were going on, you needed to stay clear of. But I don't think it's the the scope of these riots that we see in other places are are nothing like what we see here in the U.S. As terrible as the riots were here, I don't think we can we can fully appreciate that. Of, of what goes on in, in, in some of these places. Yeah, and, but you know, David, something to add is uh, what's the logical here? If you have riots and you have violence, so the police should put order because that's the, the main task of the police and the, right. and the forces. But the civil rights and the human rights and the theory that uh, they can block a street, they can block a uh, main street and you cannot go through and where are yeah. the rights for the rest of the people who are trying to make the living and go to work so that confrontation between yeah you can protest that that's one story but if you block and not only block by start uh, the violence they don't have the right to do it but you have the international entities uh just uh saying that uh, the police is violating them, their rights, and attacking them. But what we don't see if is uh, who started the violence. You know, so that we have that problem as well here, yeah. uh, that discussion, and but that's what we have. Yeah, you know, that, that was the same thing we went through last summer after the George Floyd incident, you know, is where, where does a protest, which is a First Amendment right, the right to free speech and to voice yourself and you're being upset with things that are going on versus the riot where literally you're going into poorer neighborhoods and you're burning down the very businesses of the people who live in there and you're destroying their livelihood. And then so, so it's no longer a protest of um, expressing free speech and then you fall into the violence end and and, you know, even there's division on what is and what is not considered a riot versus a protest now. And I mean, the news media doesn't help any of that at all either, because, you know, the, the far left papers and cable news has one version of it. And the far right has a completely different version of what's a protest versus what's a riot. And, and you know, you, you just continue that that division. So, yeah, yeah. we have we have one uh, senator from the states, obviously Democrat. I don't have his name right here, but I heard what he said in, in the news, in the radio. Mm -hmm. I was driving from, from the gym to my hall, to my house, and he was saying that he won't allow uh, the government of the United States or the Congress to approve the help, the, air, the money aid for the police and the militaries. And that would stop until we fulfill with the human rights. And the, we have one visit from that 
human rights entity, international entity, and they obviously the the report they they deliver was uh, that the police and the the army were uh, violating the right of the people and so on and so forth. So right. that govern uh, that, that uh, senator was saying that. So yeah, the states intervene with the, the money they send here to help us just to eradicate because we are in that circle, uh, yeah. this circle that we have, we must eradicate the seeds, but where the problem would end up when the consumption is controlled and the consumption won't finalize. So yeah. It's a huge debate and huge problem. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you say that because we want we're going through we still are going through through this, but it started after the George Floyd thing, the defund the police. The way to end racism would be to get rid of police officers because police officers <laughs> are racist. And it sounds very similar what that senator is saying. And so this messaging, it is not unique just to Colombia. It's here. I think almost every Western democracy is facing trying to come to grips with a with an ideology that seems to lack objective truth. Because, you know, it's hard to fathom a world upon which there's no police. And if the police are gone, everything, everybody's going to behave and nobody's going to steal stuff and nobody's going to kill each other and nobody's going to do any. It's just, it's hard. Sometimes it appears your dialogue is almost identical to our dialogue. Like, how do you, how do you have a rational debate on a topic like that, that you shouldn't have police or you need to take away their money or you need to take <laughs> over. It's like, that would mean that we can now assume everybody is going to be honest and love each other every day of the week. It'd be nice if that was true, but that doesn't seem to be ever the reality in any civilization in human history. So, so yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So, yeah. but, but Ricardo, so, so tell me then all this stuff going on there in Colombia, what, what do you see as the future of Colombia and, and even expand that? I mean, in Latin America, if, and obviously you don't have a crystal ball. You're not a political scientist. You're not a theorist. But, but if we just flash forward to the future, maybe give us a, a, an initial thought on what you think is going to happen in Colombia with the election next year. But but think maybe five, ten years. That what, What's Latin America and Colombia going to look like in general? David, let me start with the next presidential elections. If, yeah. if the left wing and the left party won if they don't get the presidency, they will not allow allow the president in place to govern. They won't allow it. Allow wow. that. So the riots and the protests would continue. Yeah. If the presidency is, is uh, the leftists get the presidency, I think we will start the same path as Chavez in in Venezuela twenty years ago. So we won't have the way to live here uh, from now to three years, four years. We have to to immigrate. Wow. Because, uh, yeah, and that will be Colombia. We have Peru, as I mentioned before, that the president, the Mar Marxist president, uh, is going to take the, 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 the seat in one week or so. 
Right. So we will be here, that with Peru and Venezuela, as you know it. Uh, in Venezuela, yeah. the, the guerrilla is sitting there, growing uh, in, and, and having the traffic path. Not only that they have all the path uh, to, to transport the, the illicit business, Right. So we will have Venezuela, Peru, and uh, I probably Chile will have the same problem. Now you mentioned Mexico, Labrador, the president in Mexico. You're right. So wh what I think is uh, the the what we will have here is the continent of the left parties in the government. If, as I mentioned, if they earn, if they get the presidency here in Colombia. Wow, you think it's that big for the entire for the rest of the continent that that it's time to make a stand or or this movement's going to pretty much sweep the whole thing, huh? You have you have him in Brazil, Bolsonaro who who's the from the right uh party and he will finalize his presidency probably in 3 years. Right. But what I think is that the, the possibility that the leftists get the government as they had it in Brazil for 10 years with Lula da Silva and, and uh, another lady who was in the presidency. And the same for Ecuador. In Ecuador, uh, currently, they have a, a president from the right political party, but he will, he just started, but he will finalize in four years. Mm -hmm. So, the possibility for them to keep uh, the government, it is not high. I don't think so. Right, right. And so in Colombia, on the far left, do you have a, do you know who's running yet? Or are you still going like through the primaries where the left is trying to choose who's going to be the one to go in the general election? Or, or do you already know who the, who the person is that the right's going to have to run against in this election? No, we already know in the left uh, is uh, one guy, Petro is his last name. Uh -huh. He was from the guerrilla. Uh, from oh, the guerrilla. really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a Chavez type situation. Yeah. Chavez from the military. Yeah. He has oh, the same geez. the same ideas. And he said that as soon as he gets the presidency, he will call to a referendum with one question yes or no do you colombian citizen want to change the constitution and if the answer is yes which is uh, highly possible again we will have uh the change of the constitution in which they put the presidency forever you know they won't wow. get uh, and, and what they are saying is, no, we will leave the presidency for after four years, as Chavez mentioned, when he started, you know, he, wow. he, he said when he started there in Venezuela, of course, I will leave the presidency as soon as the period is finalized. And that was not true. Well, first of all, that question is about as brain dead, ignorant, lacking any intellectual uh, understanding. If you make, do you want to change the Constitution? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> I mean, the Constitution, I'm sure, and just like our Constitution, has tons of articles, and some are good, and some are bad, and some are in the middle. And but just to just to pose one question to sweepingly change everything is about lacking complete intellectual uh, 
understanding of anything, but, but is this guy kind of like a Chavez figure, like a really fiery, you know, speaker change the world type thing is, is that kind of the personality that he, does he throw out kind of a Donald Trump style mentality, but on the far left side rhetoric, or is he kind of a quiet guy? Uh, this guy is, uh, intelligent. He's smart, uh-huh. but you know what is coming behind him, you know, and yeah. what he's promoting, which is, uh, putting our economy. Even he said that what we should do here in Colombia to, to get our financial uh, situation better was to print money. <laughs> and to print money, and to print money, and to print money, and yeah. so it is those kind, those those kind of ideas that you know where are leading a country, which yeah. is the bankruptcy. You know. Yeah. Well, that seems like what we're doing right now. We seem to be printing a whole lot of money, and we don't seem to be stopping it either. And and uh, yeah, but that's a that's a recipe for disaster for sure. But. But anyway, yeah, well, it's it's a scary thing. And I, and I think everybody listening, we need to pay attention to what's going on in in South America and Colombia, uh, because this is no joke. I mean, we're literally witnessing in many cases in South America, the the, the annihilation of Western civilization, like a dem- democratic system like we've known it. And we're returning it seems in so many places towards that socialist model that has never worked anywhere ever. And, you know, it's, and and there's a whole lot of faults in a Western style democracy and there's a whole lot of corruption and there's a whole lot of inequality, but still seeing how rapid countries seem to be falling right South of our border here is, is, is pretty stunning, stunning to witness. So um, so I thank you so much, Ricardo. Is, is, is there anything else that you that you want to say uh, as we wrap up here? Or have we pretty much covered all the bases? If anybody wants to follow you, anything like that? David, no, thank you very much. Everything covered. Awesome. Uh, one one, one advice for you in your next ideas for podcast to try uh, to um, to get a, to get opinions about the legalization of the of the oh yeah it's a very important issue. Yeah, we didn't we didn't touch. We probably could have stayed right there like the entire uh, the entire podcast, because that that's a that's a big it's controversial. But we know the way we've been doing it isn't working. It hasn't been working. And I mean, how many how many decades has you know, I remember all the way back to the first George Bush and the war on drugs. And I, I mean, we we've been doing the same thing over and over. But then you look at the other extreme and open up like all the drugs to legalization. That's a whole nother. But, you know, you're right. That that is. A, but it's interesting to hear a South American perspective on that, that, hey, this may not be this may be the route to go, because, I mean, you guys probably feel and especially Colombia, the the murder, the corruption, the of all these illicit drugs, I mean, like you said, it is literally impacting everything. And you know, David, country. probably, yeah, it is only academic, uh, an academical uh, thought, because in the reality, the convenient for the people who's earning money from that 
even governments, it is more uh, productive to have it as is. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. That's really we're sad. We're condemned. That is we're so condemned. sad. Yeah. Yeah. So on that happy note, Ricardo, I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to wrap it up. But it's been so good talking to you. I know you bring a, a great perspective. And, uh, you know, again, thanks for, for coming on the show and talking about Latin America and Colombia with us. So thank you. With that, ha have yourself a great day. And everyone, uh, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I so hope you found value in the topic today. You know, every single day, if we can expand our perspective just a little bit on any range of topic, whether it be about our physical body, intellectual sharpness and perspective, or spiritual growth, then if we stay consistent in the long run, we all become more well-rounded people able to cope with all manner of events in life. I always appreciate you clicking like or follow to this podcast. Generally, a new episode is published every single week. And please, if you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear about them. With that, I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week until we talk again.